0: Good morning, Mosaic. My name is Kelly, and I'll be doing the scripture reading this morning. Please join me as I read in James chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in the exultation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flowers falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. of first fruits of his creatures. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Join me in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this morning that we can gather from different places to study your word. Lord, I pray that you would be with Pastor Joel as he um, gives us this morning wisdom from your word. Help us to understand and be able to learn and grow deeper in our relationships with you and with each other because of um, the work you're doing in and through Joel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you so much, Kelly. Times uh, today are difficult. Uh, I was talking with a neighbor who had a child go through graduation this past week, and we reflected upon just what a different year, a different senior year uh, than what was anticipated uh, for her son. And uh, maybe that goes without saying for most of you who are watching, because it may not be a high school graduation, it could be uh, the health impacts of the pandemic, Or maybe you know one or more of the 600,000 people who have lost their lives in the past year and a half. Maybe for you, it's the economic impact uh, on jobs and uh, on whether a reduction of hours or the loss of a job, uh, the way in which uh, small businesses uh, have really struggled during the last year, so all of the economic impact And then there's undoubtedly an emotional impact of the last year. So part of the way in which people and particularly Christians navigate difficult times is by doing it together in community rather than isolation. And so the last year by being separated, it can make it an increased challenge uh, to navigate these things together. So uh, it, it seems that whether it's one of those things that you can connect with or multiple of those things, there is no lack of trials or potentially suffering that you have faced. And that is the context that James is writing into when he talks about joy. When he opens his letter in verse 1, he is writing to the 12 tribes in the diaspora, uh, in the dispersion, the people who have been exiled and spread out because of persecution or military might or their circumstances, moving them into places that they were not happy to be in. And when James opens his letter, uh, he is writing to begin getting after and very quickly get after the question of where do we turn and how do we think about our own trials? When we struggle, you and I, or when we collectively struggle as a community, where do we turn And for James, the Christian answer for where we turn is inexorably linked to our own spiritual maturity. There is a right Christian response to hardship. There is a right Christian response to struggle, and that is to turn to God. And so James unpacks that for us this morning in the opening verses of his letter, and we're going to look at that in two points, a God-given joy and a God-directed joy. God-given joy and a God-directed joy. So James kind of opens his letter the way that most people write texts or emails today. Uh, It used to be that you would write this kind of flourishing, long, open, uh, and uh, do some small talk stuff, and then you would uh, get into business. That's the way that people used to write letters. Now, with texts and emails, particularly emails in a workplace setting, it it feels like it's typically a one-liner to say hi, but then straight to business. And that's how James opens his letter in the New Testament. He gives that initial greeting line that you can see that's fairly short. And then in verse 2, he dives into joy and gives direction to Christians. Count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, that feels a bit counterintuitive to me. I don't know how you felt when you first read it, you began going through, but James' instruction in terms of how we respond is to think and work through our own trials, our own tests, our own struggles, our own difficult circumstances. And James is effectively saying, hey, take all of that into account and have joy, be joyful, count it joy. And that just doesn't quickly commute. C- compute, particularly for us in the 21st century, and I think particularly in a place like the United States. So for us to think through hardship, uh, joy is uh, not always the first thing that comes to mind. And part of that, it's important to note, is because of how we think about joy. Our thought about joy is often connected to happiness, feelings about our circumstances, right? Uh, so uh, when we go through hard things, we certainly don't feel happy about it at a superficial level. And so if that's how we think about joy, that's part of what makes it counterintuitive or runs a counter to how we would typically think about this kind of stuff. But that is not what James means when he talks about Christian joy. So for James, struggling, facing difficult circumstances, the way that we as Christians may have Christian joy is rooted in the fact that we live, as the old hymn says, in our Father's world. James doesn't mean feel superficially happy about your difficult circumstances. James doesn't mean put on a smile and pretend all is okay. That is not what James means by Christian joy, as set apart from modern concepts of happiness. For James... Joy is what God himself creates when we look at the world in which we live in light of God who created it and God who redeems it. And so it's not just merely superficial feelings. It's this deep sense of what's really going on. This calls on you and me to think about joy as god-given something that we can't uh, foster or build up in ourselves it's not something that we can just grasp at and so in other parts of the new testament joy gets described that way the apostle paul when he was writing his letter to the philippians says rejoice in the lord always i will say it again rejoice or take joy in the lord and as we noted in the intro to the scripture reading, Paul himself says the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, works in the Christian's life to produce joy, uh, to reorient us to just how God is working. And so because we live in our Father's world, we can take into account more than merely the circumstances, even when they're hard, that we face. We can think about how God is working in our world and in our lives, and that produces this deeper sense of joy. That's what James is going after when he says, count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. He continues on in verse 3 and says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And then in verse 4, and let that steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then if I can drop down to verse 12, he writes, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So for James, joy is not merely a God-given thing. It is a God-directed thing. Joy is part of the maturing Christian life. And you'll see how James is working this out in chapter 1. He's saying, count it all joy, sisters and brothers, when you face uh, various trials or tests or pressures from the culture around you. Because when you do that in faith, taking into effect, into account how god has worked and is working in our lives that produces of a, a sort of perseverance a sort of steadfastness a sort of stick to itness to our lives and that helps us hold on and persevere to navigate the world that we actually live in a world that has been marred by sin a world in which we regularly face consequences uh, from all and pressures from all sorts of angles and directions. And so James is writing to remind us that not only is this our Father's world, and not only does God work to engender joy in us, but uh, that God is working actively in the world. And so that as we navigate these things and as we work to count it joy, God's working in our lives to mature us. That's what Paul meant when he wrote in Galatians 5, that joy was a part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's part of what Paul means when he writes in Romans something very similar to what James writes here, that even in the midst of difficulty, we can have joy because the world as we know it is going somewhere. God is always faithful to his promises. And so when God promises to deal with our sin in the death and resurrection of Jesus, then we uh, can let that sink in and that can shape how we view our circumstances. Or when Jesus promises that he will return again to put the world to right, to not only bring judgment uh, for the evil in the world, but to restore those who have been victimized or who have lost uh, because of evil, their restoration will come. Jesus will return. And so part of our joy is this looking forward to the day of Jesus' return and that God's work of redemption is not complete that helps direct our sense of joy. And it's what James has in mind here. So the sense of persevering, the sense of steadfastness, and this sense of this eye toward history moving a specific direction, this helps give us a sense that God, uh, not only do we live in our father's world, but that he continues to actively direct it. And so that lands on how we think about life and how we can count even difficulty, and even pressures as part of Christian joy. Now, will we do that easily? No, no, we won't. Will that come easily? No, no, it doesn't. This is where, as a church community, our brothers and sisters who have experienced a bit more of life can be helpful to us. This is where how this works out for you and I today is uh, people who have uh, gone through their own series of tests, of trials, of struggle, of tribulation, can help speak into the lives of people who are facing it for the first time. So kids, uh, listen, I think this is important for, for you to hear from someone other than your parents Oftentimes, you can tend to think that your parents don't know what life feels like for you, uh, or they can't relate to you because they're old. And it is true that your parents are old, but there's a positive side to them being old, and that is they can relate to your struggles, to the social pressures, uh, far more than you give them credit. And, and that's because they have lived some life. They have gone through struggles and pressures themselves. And they've had to navigate it over time. So it doesn't mean that your parents have all the answers, but it gives you a sense you, sh- you should look to them and see if there are ways in which you can learn from the ways that they've struggled. And that's also true for those of you who are adult Christians and a part of our community or watching on Liturgy Live, that mature Christians and older members in our community who have lived a bit of life and they've seen a bit of change and they've felt a bit of these pressures over time, God uses them to speak into the life of the fuller community to help us grow and mature. That is part of why when we think about diversity at Mosaic Silver Spring and we think about valuing people as one of our core values, we don't merely think about diversity from an ethnic component, although that's certainly part of what we hope to pursue and what we value, but we also think about it generationally, that those of us who have lived life a bit longer have an opportunity to help us better count joy from the things that we're facing. There is a collective aspect to that as well, that as a church or a part of a denomination that is majority white, we have the opportunity to learn from other Christian brothers and sisters, other communities that have faced challenges, that have faced pressures, that have faced tests and temptations and have come through them and are better practiced at counting these things. Joy, we may learn from them. Whether that's the black church who in America for hundreds of years has faced all sorts of trials and testings and pressures and yet has been able to navigate that, uh, not with superficial feelings of happiness, but with a deeper sense of living in our father's world, they have something to teach us. That could also come from uh, Korean churches or Chinese churches or other immigrant churches. Churches who have experienced suffering in different ways and different levels and may have ways to teach us. And so there's not just this individual learning, like kids learning from your mom or dad, and there's not just uh, this younger person learning from an older person, although those things I think are absolutely true. There's also a sense of corporate learning. Thinking that as uh, a a particularized church in Silver Spring or Montgomery County, that we have all our bases covered when there are others who can speak into our lives and help us. Or as part of a denomination, the Presbyterian Church in America, that we don't have uh, all that we need, that we can learn from others and what they've experienced and that that will help us be shaped and will help us mature together. That is what James is going after when he writes to uh, people who have been spread out, who have been dispersed. This sense of Christian joy is something that comes to us, is created in us, that is developed by God himself, and that continues as part of our own holistic maturing as Christians empowered by the Spirit of God. That is what we mean when we talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in our lives and joy being a component of that. And I think James writes in such a way to speak into our lives in our current moment. where For some of us, we may have faced a number of trials or tribulations, and so the past year is just another one in a collective series. But for others, this is the first time that you've really struggled let James's call to learn how to count those struggles as Christian joy in light of how God works in us and in light of how God works in our world. That produces the fruit of the Spirit, not only in your individual life, but in our lives as Christians. May God continue to produce that in us in the days and weeks and months in years ahead, until Jesus returns to fulfill his promise. Amen.